Hello, it's Oliver Wong of Heat Rocks with the last of our November mini-sodes, even though I know this one is going to air on December the 1st. And this one is not in response to a mailbag question. It was more about just finding an excuse to chat with one of our previous guests, which is rapper G. Yamazawa, who we had on at this point almost exactly about two years ago talking with us about Kanye West's college dropout and G is in the middle of a couple of projects he just put out a couple weeks back a new EP called Think Peace and on that occasion I just wanted to get him back on the line to talk with him a little bit about not necessarily the music that he's making going forward but really the music that influenced him coming up so with that G welcome back to Heat Rocks Thank you for having me, man. It's great to great to be here. Great to see you again, too. I want to talk a little bit about the new EP. It's called Think Peace. Uh, that is P-E-A-C-E. Let's see what you're doing there with the play on words. And one of the songs that immediately stood out to me was the, uh, track number four, which is called Wu-Tang Type Beats, because... You know, some artists put a lot of thought into creating a really cryptic inside joke title, and yours is just right out there. The song sounds like a Wu-Tang Type Beat, and here it is. That's the title, Wu-Tang Type Beats. Oh, I bet y'all I chef y'all like restaurants like Szechuan, like Raekwon on the best, but I'm slept on my man's in them. Knew I was destined to get them Benjamins. They second all my sentiments, but check me when I mention them. Criminal activity don't need to be on Instagram. That PTSD settling is a different kind of evidence. So tell me about the song. Tell me about why you came up with this title, which is, again, very direct. In short, it's just kind of, it is what it is. Like you just said, it's just it's just what it sounds like. And there is a, a thing about tight beats in this generation. And I wanted to kind of play with that. And the, the fact that a lot of times when people tell me they hear my music, it's somehow contemporary, but also takes them back to some sort of place. Yeah. And I've always been really honored by that, by that compliment. And, um, so it was kind of my way of just kind of almost jokingly, you know, touching on the fact that I actually do care about both sides, both the new and the, and the old generations. They complain about language, but y'all know how it is. Ever since I was a kid, ain't fuck with politics. One look at Lady Liberty, mm, yeah, them thighs are thick. Look at that strategy, see how quick a soccer switch. I'm glad you brought up that point about wanting to balance the new and the old, because I think one of the things that really struck me when I first started listening to your music about two or three years ago is that even though you are, I use scare quotes here, you're a young cat, you seem to have a appreciation and at the very least an acknowledgement and awareness of the music that came from your youth or even maybe even before that. I think one of the first songs I heard from you was a freestyle, a full length freestyle that you did over the flavor in your ear beat. And one of my first thoughts was, was this guy even alive when Flavor in Your Ear first came out? Ha, I got that flavor in your ear. The independent homie, now the label's looking fear. I'm the Obi-Wan, got a lightsaber for you here. And I even got that homie Darth Vader looking scary. Yo, the mayor could be here, a lot of lasers in the air. There's certainly other examples of this. You think about how Mac Miller got his career started rhyming, rhyming over Lord Finesse and People Under the Stairs beats, for example. But I think one of the things I've also noticed amongst, and I don't want to paint with too broad a brush here, but amongst younger artists is that there sometimes seems to be a almost defiant disacknowledgement of music that came before, as if these artists were, you know, came into the world fully formed without having to have been inspired or influenced by the, that which came before them. And I think in your case, you seem much more keen 
at least to some extent, on acknowledging, yeah, actually, I grew up with different influences and inspirations, and this is the music that was important to me as a young person, even though I'm now making my own music. And so that balance between new and old seems to be, I think, pretty consistent with your musical career so far. I mean, the whole new era and and not, um, you know, being so closely tied to what came before you. I feel like that's just an American thing as well. It's just American spirit. And and that's actually thing, that's something that a lot of other cultures love about America and how we like to be the first to do something or we like to be on the cutting edge in, in many ways. And I'd say that like being Japanese, maybe there maybe there's something that's that's at play there in which the preservation and the lineage of the of, of who you are is is very important and is difficult to it, it sort of provides the perspective for what you do and and yeah. you know i um and i try not to take it too seriously either though you know it's it's because in a way it's true you do have to make a name for yourself and carve your own path right i think that's one of the things i like about think piece which is that it doesn't feel like it's backwards looking and you're not a the, whatever the North Carolina equivalent would be of New York rappers always talking about, we're bringing New York back. It's going to be like 88 back up in here. That's not really, I don't, I don't get the sense that's the tip that you're on. You're not bound by nostalgia to some kind of mythical past that you're trying to live up to or resurrect in a sense. Right, right. And that project specifically, I mean, it, it naturally happened organically with Gums and the kind of beats that he was, he was making. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kind of beats that he's been known to make over the years, I think that it was just a great fit. And yeah. and a little bit more about the project and the sound is that all of them, they're taken from, they're samples from Japanese samurai flicks. Um, Gums used to watch old samurai flicks with his grandpa. So the whole idea of the project came oh. from this more like kind of um, heavier, deeper place. And yeah. uh, it was sort of perfect for where my head was at at the time as well. Yeah. Lately I've been a lab rat EQs and test tubes and glass valves Who cheering up the class clown Who pure enough to hash out I got that fast sound That shit that make your gums bleed I'm flossing but still hungry Blowing shotguns in the front seat So normally on Heat Rocks we ask people to talk about their formative albums and of course as I mentioned earlier you came on the show to talk about Kanye West early Kanye Chop Up the Soul Kanye and his influence and impact on you uh, at the time the college dropout came out and I wanted to just follow up with that in a sense by asking you for three of your most formative songs and these don't have to be the best songs they don't have to be the songs that you think define the artist uh, in question but rather the songs that have on some level influenced or inspired you so based on that why don't we start with what is choice number one from you uh, it's tough, yeah. In, in order, the way they kind of started popping up and sifting through them was the first one is probably Missy Elliott, um, Get Your Freak On. Missy be putting it down, I'm the hottest round. I told y'all mother, y'all can't stop me now. Listen to me now, I'm lasting 20 rounds. And if you want me, then come on, get me now. At the time it came out, my sister was in high school. She was driving me to school and it was on the radio heavy at the time. And at the beginning of, of, of the record, it's that Japanese, and it was this the coolest shit ever to be a kid, a little Japanese kid, and one of the biggest <laughs> hits on the radio has this like Japanese voice at the beginning. It was something that me and my sister really bonded through is mm-hmm. that at that time. 
I'm also curious. I don't want to treat North Carolina or Virginia as being remotely interchangeable, though if my geography is right, they are neighbors. And I imagine that Durham is probably not that far from Virginia Beach, which is, of course, where Missy and Timbaland got their start. And so especially because in that era when Missy first jumped on the scene, you know, Virginia Beach was not on the map for for hip-hop folks or R&B folks. And, of course, in the years since, you got Missy, Timbaland, Magoo, Aaliyah, the Neptunes, right? All of them came out of this part of Virginia. But as someone who grew up at least in the general region, was it a big deal to you that Missy was repping Virginia and repping that part of the South? Absolutely, man. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, neighbors and shit. You just like, wow, this is a this is actually not not this is right up the street. So, yeah. but the thing about Missy too is that her locality never had to be a big part of her her art career right. or voice. Um, but when you, at the time, you know, Neptunes were huge too. It, it was this movement that you, that you felt somewhat ownership of in a way being from where we're, where we're from. If you don't mind us staying on Missy for just a little bit longer, one of the things I'm really curious to hear from you as an artist yourself is what is it about Missy that makes the biggest impressions? Because, and I think I've might've said this on the show before, even though we haven't talked about Missy that extensively is that in a weird way, for someone who I think is widely recognized as being one of the most important artists of the last quarter century, there's still something about Missy that still feels underrated or underregarded. And maybe partly it's because what her and Timbaland were doing in the late 90s felt like it was so ahead of its time in a way we haven't actually even caught up yet. And so to that degree, whatever it is about her genius, we're still trying to unpack, like it's a puzzle box. And so, like I said, as you as an artist, what is it that you have heard or do hear in Missy's styling in her musical career that leaves an impression on you? The thing about Missy is it never was one thing. And she was able to just be this like manifestation of hip hop, like this just pure, um, this, this, it, I don't know, it's just this pure rawness to her in which everything she does is hip hop and, and it feels good and it's not offensive and it's not, it doesn't feel like you had to be anything other than yourself. And I think that the biggest thing about her was that, she it wasn't there was no gimmicks there was no sense of like trying hard um it just really was this sense of expression and and who she really was and it gave i think everybody permission to kind of explore themselves and and um and 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 who we are all right how about your track number two Track number two, man, the, it's off the listening from the little from little brother. I was a cow, must have been ten or eleven, and nighttime maneuvers. Four to nine, four to nine, when the sun go down, we still shine, still shine, four to nine, and the nine, and the three through six, when the nighttime come, that's how we do that. He's just shouting out nine one nine and the nine one nine, the three three six, and talking about writing rhymes at three in the morning. And I think at the time, I had never heard hip hop come out of out of the state, let alone my city. And I remember going to their website, you know, as as like wondering little brother, and 
seeing them standing in front of the, the Durham Bulls stadium and I was just like, whoa, what is this shit? God damn it, when that nigga take him rhyme again, he nice with the homonyms. Ill flow, I guess I got it from my mama now. For real though, who does it find This one is for the MCs in Carolina. I felt like I was discovering you know, like a diamond, like you really yeah. feel like you're, you have this personal chest and you're like, whoa. And so it, it also was the backdrop to hip hop at the time was like Nelly and, and, you know, all kind of crazy shit coming out at the time. And so to have little brother as this personal kind of, bit of a, a like MC compass kind of thing, it was um, really, really formative for me. Listening to you talk about this makes me think about how in the nineties there were artists in which we had heard that people had had roots in North Carolina. And so I'm thinking of, like, let's say, Mr. Long from Black Sheep, I think was originally from there. There were the Busy Boys, who I don't know if you ever heard of them, but they were around in the late 80s and had a couple of singles out at the time. And they were known to have roots from there, but I don't remember if they were actually recording in North Carolina or if they had moved up to New York because that was closer to the center of the music industry, especially the hip-hop industry, of course, in, in the 80s and 90s. So you didn't really hear of a lot of artists necessarily repping North Carolina until really the late 90s and early 2000s. And while maybe Little Brother weren't the first to do it, to your point, I think they were amongst the most prominent to do it. And I can only imagine how important that would be for someone growing up in Durham to see kind of these hometown heroes basically rise up and put the city on the map, as they say. I mean, I was such a kid at the, you know, I was so young at the time that I'm not sure any of that mattered to me. Yeah. Um, and you're so young and the radio is such a big thing that underground or what's happening locally wasn't that, that wasn't at the forefront. Um, of course there's, you know, you got PD Pablo too. And, and that was a big, big right, thing right. for us. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think the, the common theme you hear is just, we just never really had a sense of, of identity and who we are. And, um, I think people are still really working on that to this day. Um, but because of little brother, I think we always at least had this, this backdrop, this boom bap kind of sensibility of who we are as MCs, um, and could always go back to it. And I think that that's where a lot of NC rappers are comfortable with is is going back to that kind of just boom bap original style. All right, how about your third and final selection here? Third one is uh, just the two of us. I see the crystal raindrops fall and the beauty of it all is when the sun comes shining through. At the time, I loved Will Smith, and I didn't understand what sampling was. And I remember, you know, my dad, that was my dad's, he, it was the first song, American song we could really, really first song we connected together through. Um, because when he got here in like, in the late 70s, that's, that song was on the radio. So he knew just the two of us, and he would sing it, and it's hilarious, you hear, you hear him sing it. You and I. We look for love, no time for tears. Wasted water's all that is, and it don't make no flowers grow. That was the first time I think I realized that songs got sampled. And, you know, I was like, holy sh, there's a whole nother verse. It's a, you know, it's just, and it starts sinking in. And um, and so, yeah, that that's a really, really special one for me as well. 
from the first time the doctor placed you in my arms. I knew I'd meet death before I let you meet harm. Although questions arose in my mind, would I be man enough against wrong? Choose right and be standing up from the it's funny because I think as a as a boom bap head, as you were saying earlier, this era of Will Smith's career, so the Fresh Prince has now been long left behind. He's not music. He's not making music, at least not that that often, with Jazzy Jeff anymore. And he's really just aiming for the pop charts while also have becoming you know a full fledged movie star by this point um, uh, in his career. And when I first heard this, I'm like, man, could you have picked a more obvious sample or a bigger hit to riff on? And of course, that's what Will was doing back then. You know, he was not he was not out there trying to make obscure street bangers. He's going to make the biggest pop hits possible. And working with Bill Withers and Grover Washington's hit was it felt like a very obvious move, though. Now that I think about it. That same loop I thought was used pretty well by Black Moon on one of their remixes and uh, or actually was it Smith and Wesson? No, maybe it was Smith and Wesson. And so they actually made that that loop sound pretty good. So I guess maybe I shouldn't crap so much here on on what Will's doing <laughs> with the same sample. I wanna kiss you all the time, but I will test that butt when you cut out a line. True that. Uh-uh-uh, why you do that? I try to be a tough dad, but you be making me laugh, crazy joy. I mean, for me, it was like the coolest shit because I didn't think he knew any songs like my dad's, you know, and for him to just be singing along, it just was a remarkable, like, I was floored, you know, um, as a kid. And so it was a, it was, it was a special thing for, for me and my pops, as corny as it is, it's a. it's, it's cool. No, no, that's great. That's great that you can connect. I, you know, my dad was is into mostly like like a lot of Simon and Garfunkel which which as I get older I can respect sort of the part of the genius of their songwriting but as a as a kid Simon and Garfunkel was not what I wanted to hear in the whip like that was just not the jam so him and I have rarely connected over our musical tastes um so it's nice that you have something with your dad and you were mentioning earlier with the Missy Elliott you know that was something that was introduced to you uh, alongside your sister so I see how family plays a pretty key role in, in all this stuff. Well, gee, thank you so much for joining us, especially during a uh, normally a family vacation week. So I appreciate you taking some time out to chat. Good. Thank you, man. It's, it's an honor to, to kick it with you, man. Gangsta grills and case slay. Play dates and slave names and scarecrows who talk about them heydays. I start to hang with the homies that bang. We the same age, but really my guest on this mini-sode was G. Yamazawa. You can check out his new Think Peace EP, which is on Bandcamp and Spotify and wherever you listen to your streaming services. You can find him online at G. Yamazawa, I believe on Twitter. I think he's got his website at that same address. And it was a delight to have him back on here. This mini-sode was produced by myself, Oliver Wong. And we will be back this week with the beginning of December with a brand new episode. It's going to be Morgan and I reuniting finally. And we are going to be talking uh, about one of the artists that brought us together when we first met all those years ago. And I'm talking, of course, of Toronto's finest, Drake. It's going to be another Take Two series. And so we're going to start with this week on Thursday when our new episodes drop by tackling his Think Me Later from 2010. So stay tuned for that. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.